0: Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. Every game can be heard here on 910 The Fan, available around the country on the go with the free Odyssey app. If you want to chime in, you can be the point guard of this segment, 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. Tweet us your thoughts at 910 Fan. We're at AWOD Radio. If it's a good tweet, we will read it on air. As the shot goes up, it's no good. It's off the rim. There's a fight for the rebound. Who wants it more? It's a loose ball on the ground. And and, and it's AWOD who dives on it. He kicks the outlet pass to Justin Fensterman as we head out on the fast break with AWOD. Let's go. Let's play some basketball here. We're
1: going on the fast break with AWOD. Whoa! From buzzer beating shots to the best highlight plays from around the league, every clutch moment. Looking it from three. The all stars of the league. We're out in transition. It's a breakaway. It's gone! At the buzzer! It's the fast break, and AWOD talking all things NBA. What's going
0: on, Justin Fensterman?
1: AWA gives the outlet to Fensby who shoots for 3 bang it goes in Awhat's 12th assist of the game a new career high what's going on Awhat
0: oh my goodness what's going on now it's Draymond Green going for Fensterman's throat
1: uh, oh and what's that what's that he kicks him oh right there in the another regions there that's going to cost him about 25 games right there AWA.
0: I mean what is going on with Draymond Green he needs to speak to a counselor
1: he does, and he takes physicality to a new level. And while I appreciate the tough and rugged play like we used to see back in the 1990s, this league is not like that anymore with a lot of critical microscopic replays on every single play. Even a hard shove gets analyzed for 10 minutes by Caucus. Because of that, Draymond Green can't do that kind of stuff. And I see a bunch of power forwards in the league being very physical, but Draymond Green can't control that physicality, and what we saw with Yusuf Nurkic was absolutely disgraceful.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so weird. It's, 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 it's almost like horrifying, right? I mean, you just feel like at, at any moment he could break and start punching somebody and not playing the game of basketball, uh, just trying to win a fight. And you know, I, I saw an interview with Rasheed Wallace. I didn't fact check this, but he was talking about how Draymond grew up going to Detroit Pistons games with the bad boys Pistons, and he thinks that's why he acts like this on the court.
1: Yeah, and look, he plays like those Detroit Pistons teams did, but if those Detroit Pistons teams were there now, if you had Rick Mahorn playing today, he would be in the same situation as Draymond Green. I appreciate physicality, but it's just too much. It's violent, and you've seen multiple instances. He took a dynasty and single-handedly divided it destroyed it when he punched jordan Poole. and i don't know i wasn't there to hear what jordan Poole said that caused him to literally sucker punch him right in the face a driving punch but at the end of the day that's totally not unnecessary and yeah there's a reason why even millions a hundred billion dollars couldn't make Jordan Poole feel the same way about the Warriors. He wanted no part of Draymond Green, and that's what's happened. The physicality has become just too much AWOD. And right now, an indefinite suspension where, look, it reminds me of what happened with John Morant, how the NBA is handling this. But I'm feeling when it comes to 25 games, because that seems to be a number that's thrown out there. I think Draymond Green deserves to be suspended for 25 games. No other player in the league plays as dirty as he does. He's an outlier, and he's got to be figured out, and he's got to figure it out for himself first.
0: Yeah, Justin, not not a great week for the NBA. Uh, A lot of immaturity, uh, a lot of adults acting like kids, including Giannis Atentiacumpo, who ran to the Pacers' locker room to try to get a game ball back. I mean, what is going on with the NBA right now with everyone acting like a kid?
1: I was shocked that Giannis did that. Giannis, who normally handles himself with a lot of class, thinking that there's some kind of conspiracy and he's being given a ball that was not a a game ball. And I understand breaking records, but a guy like Giannis is going to break a lot of records. And I don't know why this was just so important to him to have that ball and react like that. And they could find a way to get it back. And you even saw Tyrese Halliburton kind of telling him, hey, man, calm down. And he was unnecessarily freaking out. Not what you want to see from the face of the league right now.
0: Justin Fensterman with us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Check him out on SiriusXM and follow him on social media at Fensty Sports. Uh, you follow the league very closely. That's why we love to have you on here for the fast break with Awad, talking all things NBA. Uh, Victor Wembanyama. It seems like anytime I turn on the Spurs games, he's having a great fourth quarter, but they lose close games, and now they're three and twenty on the season. Why is it that it seems like Wemby has all these highlights? in the fourth quarter, but not much in the first half of games.
1: I mean, there was a time, Awa, back in the 2000s when the Greg Popovich-led San Antonio Spurs prided themselves on defense. I mean, that pretty much created their dynasty back then. Now they don't play any defense, and that's the problem. They literally forfeit on defense. They run a very fast pace, so you've got those slower-paced teams, even teams like you go down the list, the Bulls, the Raptors, the Knicks they can all have the advantage from a pace standpoint because they're going to get more possessions because the Spurs don't stop anyone. They let up over 121 points per game. Now, one thing I think that the Spurs coaching staff did right with Wenbanyama is they're letting him start now at center. At the very beginning of the year, he was starting at power forward and having Zach Collins be the man in the middle. Having your size player be right there on the low block just makes more sense and will help with his development because he doesn't have to do as much And I think now that we're seeing him post up more, play on the low block, stay exclusively right there under the basket and not fade out to the elbow as much, I think it's actually helping with his development. And that's why we've seen him have more success, especially on the stat sheet. Because look, Carl Anthony Towns, does it very well, but he has years and years of experience. Wembenyama, I understand that range is very big for a big man in spacing and everything like that, but you need this guy to learn the basic NBA fundamentals on how to play post-basketball so he can learn how to play defense and they can start turning away possessions and not letting up 122 points per game.
0: And you can watch Wemby mania on ESPN tonight, 730, as they take on the Lakers. Good game On ESPN at 10 p.m., Knicks, Suns, and I believe just the second time all season that the Suns will have their big three in the lineup with Devin Booker, KD, and Bradley Beal.
1: No, it'll be great. Now, it'll be a nice slow-paced game between these two teams. (laughs) It'll be a nice half-court set between them, and the Knicks actually play very good defense, but we've seen a little bit of a leak with the Knicks lately, especially in the paint. Now Mitchell Robinson, who's been a a phenomenal defender, is now going to miss maybe two months of action after having ankle surgery and Julius Randle, while he is very physical. And again, a one another player, very physical, but not violent like Draymond green, which shows that this isn't anyone targeting Draymond green. This is Draymond green acting out and it's really bad. But with the Knicks, Julius Randle's letting people buy him a little bit more, which shows that, Teams that have a good interior can start taking advantage of the Knicks because the Knicks play amazing perimeter defense. But they got to be able to clean up the garbage in the middle of the paint, and that's an area where they're going to struggle because without Mitchell Robinson, it's literally Isaiah Hartenstein and it's Jericho Sims, and they just signed Taj Gibson again.
0: <laughs> I know he played for the for the Wizards last year. He's a he's a veteran who's not going to do much, but. Maybe he's a good locker room guy. What do you think is the biggest NBA story uh, that's not getting enough love? Like, I would point to the T Wolves top of the Western Conference at 18 and 5.
1: Oh, I agree with that completely. And the biggest reason for that, AWOT, is because the team that we're used to seeing run such a quick pace, they have slowed themselves down big time. And also, I got to say this because I've come on your show for the last few years really hating on Carl Anthony Towns' defense. It is drastically improved, and you can't get by these twin towers of Gobert and Towns now. It's so hard. I don't know if someone worked with Towns. I don't know if it was Carl Anthony Towns just changing his style, but he has become one of the fiercest defenders, especially at the power forward spot, and that's going to put most teams at a size disadvantage because how many teams are going to have two seven-footers, one guarding the elbow, one guarding the paint at all times, and they've got a very good collection of youth and also veteran leadership as Well, good scoring with Anthony Edwards. So they have a little bit of everything, and that's a nice puzzle that's coming together. And it's very exciting to see because we always like to see new teams at the top. We were getting kind of tired of the Warriors, the Lakers, and some of those teams. Seeing teams like Denver winning, seeing the Timberwolves right there, it makes the league more interesting to the common basketball fan.
0: Before I let you go, I've got to get your take on the biggest sports topic locally here, and that was Ted Leonsis preparing to move the Wizards to Virginia. You have multiple nationally known sports commentators, including Michael Wilbon, David Aldridge, Tony Kornheiser coming out and trashing Ted Leonsis, calling him a villain. What is your take on this?
1: I mean, it's very disappointing as someone who has been in the D.C. area Since 2005, where I went to college, I mean, having these teams, a couple of the teams in D.C. because we all know the hike to Landover and everything like that for the commanders. But now to go out to Potomac Yard to be so far away from D.C., a major loss for downtown D.C., a little bit disappointing. But look, if they want to try to create an environment where they have stuff to do around the stadium and everything. I kind of get it from that standpoint. But just, again, very disappointing on D.C.'s reaction to all this because you want to have some of your teams, and I know D.C.'s not a state, it's a province, but you want to have some D.C. local teams actually in Washington, D.C., and I thought it was perfectly placed. So as someone who has been in D.C. for at least the majority of the year since 2005, I'm a little disappointed, Awad. I don't know if you feel the same way.
0: I really do. I'm, uh, I mean, I, I kind of like the word villainous because it just feels like he's taking the people's team in D.C. away from them uh, for a big bag of money. And, and what's so frustrating about the whole situation is Abe Poland used his own money to move the Wizards to Gallery Place there in Chinatown. Used his own money, and now Ted Leonsis is using the taxpayers' monies to take them out.
1: Right, and it's, you could imagine I me mean, taxes in D.C., yikes. That's crazy enough as it is. But it's just, again, it's very disappointing seeing this and not really seeing the reaction from the city. You would think that they would immediately try to put a stop to this, but it's just not happening like that. And soon enough, they won. We might as well pack our bags and plan to go to the airport because that's where the nearest Metro stop is near, Reagan. So that's how I feel at this point. We might as well just go to the airport and take a flight after the game because we'll be so close to Reagan.
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, Mayor Mariel Bowser dropped the ball and Governor Glenn Youngkin picked it up, took it down the court, and dunked it. That's Justin Fensterman. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910. The Fan now at 105 one FM. Richmond's home for VCU basketball. And this Saturday, VCU senior guard Joe Bamisil, that of Chesterfield, Virginia, will be in uniform and be available to play for the Rams when they host the Temple Owls at the Seagull Center Saturday at 2 p.m. Bamasil said, I'm incredibly excited and thankful to God to finally have the opportunity to play in a game at VCU. This has been a lengthy and emotional process for me and my family. I'm very grateful to Coach Odom, Ed McLaughlin, our staff, and my teammates for constantly supporting and encouraging me over the last six months. And joining me right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is the play-by-play voice of VCU basketball, Robbie Robinson. What's going on, Robbie?
2: Hey, Juan. Good to be on with you, man. Hope everyone's having a great Friday.
0: Absolutely. I mean, how excited were you when you heard from Ryan Odom himself during the coaches' show that Joe Bamiso will play?
2: I was fired up, I was really happy for Joe, mainly you know from my standpoint, and obviously the X's and O's play a big role in it, Adam, but he has just been such a spectacular human being during this whole thing. I mean, always has a smile on his face, always greeting us, always has a great attitude. And he's really been through some trials and tribulations over the last three or four months, and I think to to get that thumbs up, at least for the time being like it looks like now, was was just something that you felt great about for Joe based on the way he's approaching. It. He could have easily, he could have been moody. He could have sulked. I know I probably would have. I mean, gosh, I don't get my way in my life now. And I hmm. sulk for like 20 minutes. Just ask my wife or my kids, <laughs> not Joe, like not Joe at all. Like he was hundred percent, you know, upbeat and positive during the entire thing. So when it did come down that he was going to be able to, to play and that, you know, the injunction came down from West Virginia. I think all of us that know him, that have watched him practice, have watched him in shoot around, have just been thrilled for him.
0: Absolutely, and I, I know I've seen the box score from the black and gold scrimmage has been floating around social media, people pointing to how dominant Joe was, and I can tell you from my eye test, he looked like the, the most mature and experienced basketball player on the court that day. It wasn't just scoring, it was assisting. I mean, um, what's his name? Roosevelt Wheeler had a great game with a lot of dunks and layups from Joe Bamasone, so I'm just really excited to see the impact that he can make on the court.
2: Me too, Adam. And I think I think uh, hopefully our fans understand. Like it's it's not something that's going to immediately happen you know, on you know, two o'clock tomorrow. Like I, it's going to take some time. I think for Joe to to work his way back into the rhythm to to get to where he wants to be, both you know physically, because as much as you can train, and I'm sure he's in great shape. i mean, Daniel Roos has got him in phenomenal shape. I imagine. But it still isn't quite like it is when you're out there in a live game and going against guys going 100 to 120 percent, you know. And that's what he's going to face tomorrow. And I think it's going to take a little time, and that's okay. And I think the exciting thing about the timing on this is he gets what he's got the Eastern Shore, he's got Temple Eastern Shore Gardner Web. He gets three full games before we play St Bonaventure in the conference opener on January 3rd. That's a lot. I think that's one reason why we were we would we, we wanted to play in this window that. The courts have given him is because if the window ends up being something that could be all year long and we might hold him out until we get an official award then maybe you only have him for one game for Gardner-Webb before you play St. Bonaventure now we've got him for three and by the time we tee it up against the Bonnies on the third that Wednesday he'll be in he'll be in great shape both ready for gameplay and also working into the vibe of the team.
0: Absolutely. Robbie, I'm going to say it's not going to take that long for Joe to get back uh, to his full form. I mean, he's just such an athlete. Uh, I love the style of basketball that he plays. He doesn't like to settle for the jump shot. He loves to attack the basket. And the Rams are coming off of one of their best offensive performances in which six Rams scored in double figures and VCU buried 17 three-pointers. So offensively, Robbie, we've got a ton of momentum right now.
2: Yeah, well, you just hope, Adam, that – That was a shot in the arm with what happened against Alcorn State. I think we made 17 threes, which is the most we had made as a team in almost a decade. Everybody saw the ball go in the basket multiple times. This has been a team that's been scruffling a little bit from the field. Ram fans know that. You can look at their shooting percentage. That doesn't lie. To see them come out and hit 17 threes, you hope that's the success curve that takes a new route. And then all of a sudden, what was a 31% three-point shooting team is now a 35 37% three-point shooting team. I think when you do add in Bamisil to that mix, it, it's going to help. It, it, it just he's a better shooter than the regular percentages that BC has been shooting in the first 10 games. So, yeah, I, you, maybe, maybe the whole team can act like Kwani Kwani, where you see that first one go in and just all the weight goes off your shoulders. The basket looks bigger. The ball falls in. The next thing you know, you've got three or four like Quanee did after missing his first 16 shots of the season.
0: Yeah, no, I I felt so good for 2K, Kwani Kwani pouring in a season-high 15 points, four of six from three-point range. Now, this is a revenge game for VCU, although it's pretty much a brand-new Temple roster. I think there are two or three holdovers uh, with first-year coach Adam Fisher taking on first-year coach Ryan Odom. So, Robbie, what do you remember from that game last year in Temple? I'll tell you, I was there, and Temple did not have a student section. The place was empty.
1: Yeah,
2: I... That's, I remember the same thing, thinking, "Golly, this used to be a very prideful packed place." And we played there in 2012, or maybe it was thirteen. 2013, our first year in the league in 2013, and it was wall to wall people. It was an unbelievable atmosphere. I we, we lost that game. It was our. It was just we. They had a kid who was really good. they beat us, and then to go back last year and have it basically be you can roll a bowling ball through that place and not hit anybody was a little striking. I, we didn't play great. I cannot remember. I think that was, I don't think we had ace in that game. So that was part of it. That was part of the time that we were really scruffling last year's team. And I just feel like there's a lot of similarities, at least the way the season is going, between last year's team and this year's team. You know, we we were without our best players. Last year was Baldwin. This year, Bear Stowe is one of our best players. We've been without him. We were losing games that VCU fans aren't used to losing. Last year, we lost to Jacksonville State, and we weren't used to losing to them. Probably could have beaten Arizona State in Brooklyn just like we could have beaten Iowa State and Boise State in Orlando, uh, lost to Memphis, although we played Memphis a lot tougher this year than we did last year for sure, and uh, this is kind of like you said the the second game of this two game set, and i'll be fascinated to see how we come out against Temple after last year losing by ten we're going to be a little bit better health with Bamasil, probably still not going to get berstow back i don't I don't see him playing tomorrow he's Mentioned his day to day by Coach Odom, but I think he's got one more week before he's full throttle uh, against the uh, Maryland Eastern Shore. But you know, I think to answer your question, I think it's, I think it'll be fascinating to see how we play him just based on, based on their record and our record.
0: Robbie Robinson, play-by-play voice of VCU basketball, here with us on the hotline. In case you missed it, Robbie sat down with Coach Odom earlier this week for the Coaches Show. Why don't you share a little bit um, about the prep for this game that Coach Odom mentioned on the Coaches Show?
2: Well, they've got a guy, Asir Miller, who's really good. He's averaging 18 points per game. He shoots like 19 times per game. He had 28 against Albany uh, the last game that they played, which was a five-point win against Albany in Brooklyn. So he's really their number one guy that the Rams have to stop. They've got this other guy who's a six four physical guy, Jordan Riley. He's averaging 12 points per game. When Coach Odom was talking to us about it last night on the Coach's Show, I got the sense that they're a lot like McNeese State in terms of their size. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're all about six four, 6'5", 6'5". Uh, They've got a six 6'10", 180-pound kid who, I mean, 6'10", 180 is a string pole for sure. But very physical. Strong. They're going to get downhill into the lane. They're going to go to the rim, and I think it's going to be it's going to be like McNeese State, but probably just with better athletes and better basketball players, which is worrisome. Adam, I mean, McNeese State gave us some fits. We're going to have to play our best defensive game of the year, I think, tomorrow to win. We just are. I think that Hasir Miller is the kind of player that this year has been giving us a hard time. We've got to find a way to keep him from going off on a 25-plus-point performance game. We have the ability defensively to do it. We've been great defensively, and I think you take away a couple lapses here and there, and we're playing some of the best defense in the country. We're top 50 in Ken Palm in defense nationally. That's a good number for this team. And so I think, and that's with some defensive breakdowns that we've had from time to time. That's, I think, the key for us is not let Miller go off and have an unworldly game where everything he puts up goes in, and then also just to keep them out of the paint. Don't let them pass that first line of defense because they're going to want to get in the paint. We'll have to collapse on somebody, and that leaves somebody open, Adam. And whether that's Steve Settle or one of their other guys, that's where we run into issues. That's where we've been running into issues all year when that's happened.
0: Robbie, great stuff as always, man. I'll see you tomorrow at the Seagull Center.
2: Yeah, I look forward to it, Adam. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Always available on the go. On the Odyssey app, download it today for free, and you can search 910 The Fan to hear me Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. Members of the AWOD Army know you can always support the show by downloading the podcast, spread the word, send it to some friends. It's Best of AWOD Radio, available on Spotify or iTunes. And joining us right now is Sergeant Snyder in the AWOD Army, Rick Snyder. What's going on, Rick?
3: Just standing at attention, waiting for you.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's get right into this here with why Ted Leonsis has decided to take the Caps and Wizards out of D.C.
3: Well, who could resist coming to the great state of Virginia? I mean, let's (laughs) be honest. Uh, Well, listen, I think this is so much about a legacy more than anything. If he stays at the current arena, that's always going to be a Poland's arena. But now Ted Leonsis is in his 70s. He's a rich guy. Rich guys don't care as much about money. As they do about legacy and remembrance, he can start something really wonderful if they pull off this thing, it's gonna be awesome, you know uh right there it's only a few hundred yards away from d c <laughs> where well, all they talk about you think we're moving to you know shanghai mm-hmm. uh, and instead, it's just it's a few metro stops away. all this groaning and moaning is just politicians mad about stuff, but I don't think fans will really care. Sure, some Maryland fans may say it's a little bit too far, but some Virginia fans will say, oh, boy, it's closer. It'll wash out. So in a few years, everybody will forget all this nonsense. Something will change in D.C. That building will become something else. You're not going to leave a hole in the middle of downtown. You know, I think this whole thing has been a lot of bluster, and I think overall for fans, this is a big win.
0: Well, I do think that uh, the boys from behind the scenes of the Junkies, Matt and Matt, made some great points when they said it's kind of a border war between Maryland, D.C., and Virginia with everyone fighting uh, for belief of which team belongs to them. Here's what what I want to know from you, Rick, because I have so many great memories when the Caps won the Stanley Cup of that whole area around Gallery Place Capital One just being packed with people. You know, it, what's the population like in Potomac Yards? If we won a championship, would it be crazy like that?
3: Oh, yeah, and there are going to be plenty of things around it. I mean, and Potomac Yards, are basically going to shoehorn <laughs> 9 million square feet for an arena and for some other things. Right next to where they're building that, they're building a Virginia Tech College campus yep. up here. So you're going to have a full of college kids there. Next to that is the Amazon HQ headquarters. You've got people full of that. To the other side of it, they've been building condos for 10 years. i creeping toward this site. The place is jam-packed, but I think it's going to be people looking for something to do. And there is a Metro stop there, uh, so anybody else can come too. I wouldn't want to drive past there because it's already a pain in the butt. But, but other than that, um, it's in a great venue area.
0: How do you respond to some of these national pundits, Michael Wilbon, David Aldridge, Tony Kornheiser, who've called Ted Leonsis villainous for this move?
3: I think they're full of beans. I mean, let's be honest. You know, he's not moving it away. This isn't the Washington Senators moving to Texas. This is something moving four miles away. Frankly, they could have put it on the other side of town. It would have been four miles away and still in town. So it's not like it's going away forever. Most people don't go to games, to be honest. They watch on TV. So I, I don't see this as a anything. And they're just taking the hot hotcakes of, oh, this is awful. It's easy to say that. But maybe I'm the only guy that likes this up here. But I like the idea of having a really nice, you know, entertainment and all these other new things coming versus, you know, a declining neighborhood. I I think it's possible. And D.C. is going to be changing again in the next few years. FBI building down the street is going to be vacant. There's a big hotel that just is going up for sale. D.C. is going to reinvent itself again downtown like it has over the 200 years. And they want to bring more housing in. There's lots of opportunities here. They're not leaving a big tax hole there.
0: And one of the terms that I've heard thrown around several times that I know my dad's a tour guide like yourself, Rick, and he was upset about was, you know, several people saying, well, D.C. is a dying city right now.
3: No, it's kind of been a city like all major U.S. cities. It's in transformation off of the pandemic. Right. Uh, You know, I walk the streets a lot. There's a lot of places that have flipped, especially restaurants, because you know, we had three years of practically no foot traffic. And still, you know, it's, it's still a lot less because people are still working at home. And that's every city in America. You know, so is there crime up here? Some. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I don't think D.C. is in decline. That's something that, you know, Fox News likes to talk about.
0: Uh, does this raise the chances of the commanders coming to D.C.?
3: Yeah, I think it puts a lot of pressure on D.C. politicians to get them back. And if I'm, you know, the the commanders, I go, so you have a half million dollars cash, or a half billion dollars cash, you're ready to give up, huh? Well, that's a good start. <laughs> is there any chance you floor. could
0: put a football stadium where Cap 1 Arena is?
3: No, it, there's not enough room. Mm. Plus you have no incelarcer. And the problem with Cap 1, too, is, you know, there's government buildings pretty much on both sides of it and the historic areas on other sides of it. So you couldn't really grab mother land uh, for this. So uh, RFK would be a good spot. What the city had to also think about was, do they try and keep the Penn Quarter, which is where the arena is called, from deteriorating more and try and jumpstart it? Or do you want to put your money into the eastern edge of the city, which is the last thing that was built on the eastern edge of the city was RFK, 1961. It's a neglected part of town. On the water, there's a lot you can do there, too. You can take that same money, go over there, and create economic development there. Uh, so, you know, it's new sports venues, because they cost so much, can no longer just be eight days a year or whatever. They've got to be a mixture of a lot of things to get two, $3 billion back. And the RFK site has the potential of doing that. I thought maybe Lou was thinking about going there at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, he got a sweeter deal over Virginia. So I don't think anybody reasonably can blame him for that. You don't owe anybody anything in the end uh, on this. I don't know where that entitlement comes from. You know, the fans support them to a degree, but who's going to Wizards game anyway? They're three and twenty. There's nobody there. There's nobody yeah. rooting for the Wizards there. So uh, I think there's a lot that they can still do. I do not expect a decision on the Commanders for at least a year.
0: Sergeant Snyder, great stuff as always, man. I appreciate it. Read his work online. Follow him on Twitter at Snyder underscore remarks. Thanks a lot. Hi, thanks for having me. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere, don't change that dial. AWOD Certified Game of the Week coming up next. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910. The Fan now at 105, 1 FM. You can always chime in, 833-804-0910. We like to make this the most interactive radio show possible. It's the reason I got into sports radio because my dad always let me borrow his phone growing up to call in and talk Redskins and Wizards and Capitals and eventually the Nationals even though I grew up uh, rooting for the Orioles and Cal Ripken until we got a baseball team here in town so I love to make it as interactive as possible you can be the quarterback of this segment 833 804 if you tweet us throughout the show and it's a good tweet we will read it on air at AWAD radio A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O or at 910 the fan and did want to give a shout out to one of the listeners as somebody got me hip to a reddit thread that was talking about a radio and he wrote he loves our bit segments like dude food and NetClicks and he's become a big fan of our new producer stub so how about that one stub as uh, we get ready for another one of our hit segments this is a certified game of the week
1: this is a certified game of the week Officially recognized as the NFL game this weekend that is certain to meet the qualifications or viewing standards set by football guys around the country. Touchdown! 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 Diving
0: for the left pylon. He's in for the touchdown!
1: Guaranteed to
0: be a football guy's football game. And, of course, every week we do this, and this segment is is for the people, right? This is not a segment for me. It's not a segment for Stubb. This is a, me- a segment for everyone, for the members of the AWOD Army. This is your segment, Stubb. Let's see how in tune you are with the show here. Why do you think we give out the Certified Game of the Week? Well, you know, some people live busy lives. They have a lot to do. They have big weekends, and maybe they only have one time, one game in their
1: schedule. They only have time for one NFL game. And we want to make sure that that game that they pick is the best one possible.
0: That's a great explanation. And if you're just tuning in, yes, we stole this segment. We took this idea from a meteorologist here in Richmond who gives out his verified best weather day of the week. So when Richmonders are planning out their week, planning out their dates, their days they want to go out, they know which day is verified to be the best weather day of the week. Example, Oh, we should go to the Squirrels game or the Kickers game Thursday because the weather will be great because it was the verified day of the week. And I want members of the AWOD Army to be able to plan their Sundays for the NFL viewing around the schedule that I set as the certified game of the week. For example, let's go to church this weekend, but we have to be home by 1 p.m. because of AWAD certified game of the week. Or let's go to the bar for the 1 p.m. games, but I know I want to be at home on my couch for the 4 p.m. game because it's AWOD certified NFL game of the week, guaranteeing football fans around the country will enjoy this contest regardless of if your team is playing or not. And this week, there are four possible certified games of the week as we've given out three stars to four different contests. The Broncos against the Detroit Lions. That game has a ton of playoff implications as, man, the Broncos have been playing some good football and the Lions are trying to rebound from a couple of bad losses. The Cowboys against the Buffalo Bills. Cowboys trying to be the top team in the NFC. Bills desperate to be a wild card squad. Ravens, Jags, two teams at the top of their division, and then the Eagles and the Seahawks. Stub. what do you think is the certified game of the week?
1: I would guess, and this is also my personal opinion, it's going to be the Ravens and the Jaguars. I think the Ravens had the game of the week last week with the Rams, and they got an even better team this week to play against.
0: I hear what you're saying, and that is a lot of people's game of the week as NBC flexed it into the Sunday night game, 820 on Sunday night. But the pick is in. AWOD certified game of the week is America's team, the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Buffalo Bills. I am all in on Buffalo and Josh Allen to overcome a few bad defeats this season where, look, this was a Buffalo team that at the beginning of the year was one of the top teams in the AFC. Now they've slipped out of playoff contention or fighting to get back in there. Got a big win last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. And of course, there was a lot of hoopla after that game with a temper tantrum by the two-time Super Bowl winner Patrick Mahomes. So I don't think a lot of people gave enough credit to Josh Allen who did outperform Patrick Mahomes and now he has a chance to outduel and outperform Dak Prescott on Sunday at 4:25. This is going to be an awesome game. You have the 10 and 3 Dallas Cowboys fighting to be the top team in the NFC. They want the NFC to run through Jerry's world and Buffalo, like I mentioned, they are desperate to get to the promised land, to get an opportunity to win a playoff game. It doesn't matter if they're hosting it because last year they hosted the Cincinnati Bengals in the snow and got their butt whooped. So right now the the Buffalo Bills are the 11th seed in the AFC, but one win could put them all the way up to the 6th seed and maybe even a tie for the 5th seed in the AFC, whereas in the NFC... It's the Dallas Cowboys tied with the Niners, but the Niners, of course, have that tie break based on head-to-head win percentage. Dallas against Buffalo from Buffalo, New York, is a Wad certified Game of the Week. Stubb, great work behind the glass today. It is Grant Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.